Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Mavi Bolaños in San Francisco. Advocates rallied Tuesday in support of a bill California lawmakers are considering that would let workers take more paid sick days to care for themselves or their family. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala-Romero reports. SB 616 would expand the minimum number of paid sick days employers have to provide from three to seven per year. State Senator Lina Gonzalez from Long Beach authored the measure, which has strong support from unions and family advocates. There's 12 more states in the country that have more paid sick days than California. And we're supposed to be the fourth largest economy. It's not fair. The California Chamber of Commerce says many small businesses would struggle to afford the costs. But a recent statewide survey of 400 small business owners found most would support more paid sick days. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero. Legislative staff in California's state capital have long been banned from unionizing. In recent years, efforts to grant them that right have been shut down. As another bill to allow staff to unionize makes its way through the state legislature, CAP Radio's Laura Fitzgerald explains why this year might be different. Legislative staff are responsible for shepherding bills through the Capitol. They also help Californians navigate state bureaucracy to get the services they need. Many of these workers say they got into the job to make a difference. But multiple current and former staffers say the job's unique demands take a toll. They work long hours without overtime pay, and some experience hostile work environments. There are members in here who are classified as yellers. We know they yell at their staff. That's former legislative aide Alan Moore. He says staff are also pressured to volunteer on campaigns each election cycle. They're even asked to use vacation days to do so. And people are afraid that if they don't go out and put in this this time and effort, that they're going to be blackballed or, you know, they're not going to be the first in line for the next promotion. Labor unions play a large role in California politics. They're among top donors to Democratic legislators, who in turn have passed laws to expand rights for workers across the state. This is a point of frustration for some staffers, like Jessica Lawrence. I think it's very hypocritical to ask for campaign support and funding from the police unions, the firefighter unions, the teachers unions, and then turn around and deny your own staff the right to unionize. 
California's over 200,000 public employees can unionize, but legislative staff are notably excluded. Assembly Bill 1 is the fifth attempt in recent years to change that. And while this bill doesn't have any formal opposition, legislators themselves have been the main roadblock in prior years. Last year, Senator Kelly Sayarto, a former assembly member, spoke against a similar bill. It died when it didn't get the votes it needed to pass a key committee. He said a union wouldn't fix inappropriate behavior. They shouldn't need to feel like they have to form a union to address issues like that. We should be addressing issues like that. And if we have legislators who can't behave, who can't uh, assemble the staff and take care of them and treat them with respect, well, they shouldn't be here. You can't force a culture change. Former Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez authored three staff unionization bills during her tenure. She now heads the California Labor Federation. She says the legislature is a unique place to work, and that's why a union is needed. You can't reprimand a member for being bad, right? Their constituents elect them. You're not getting rid of a member because they're a jerk. Unfortunately, that's just not part of the way the system works. Last year, the Capitol saw a wave of new lawmakers. That was due to redistricting and term limits. Assemblymember Tina McKinner says that turnover could account for the progress this effort has made. She's the author of AB1 and a former staffer. It just shows that the legislature has actually changed. We're willing to make progressive moves to take care of our staff. Workers in other state capitals and even in Washington, D.C., have been fighting similar battles. Legislative staffers in Oregon and Maine are unionized, and workers in the U.S. House of Representatives can also join a union. Alan Moore says this proves a blueprint does exist for California. But the institution itself has always looked out for itself and itself first. Employees come second. As the deadline for passing bills approaches in September, staff hope that this is the year the institution puts them first. For the California Report, I'm Laura Fitzgerald in Sacramento. The bill recently passed out of the Senate Judiciary Committee and is now headed to the Senate Appropriations Committee. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. And finally, operations at Diablo Canyon, California's last nuclear power plant, were going to stop in a couple years. But Pacific Gas and Electric is applying to keep it open through 2045 to help the state meet its ambitious green energy goals. 
A new study says those extra years could result in significantly higher bills for PG&E's ratepayers. KCRW's Kaylee Wells has the details. The report by the nonprofit Environmental Working Group found PG&E customers could be hit with a wide-ranging bill, 20 to $45 billion, that could tack on an extra 10 bucks a month to some people's utility bills. While the study looked at keeping the plant open for another two decades, the latest plans from the state envision winding down operations at the Central Coast facility in 2030. Diablo Canyon produces roughly 9% of California's power, and its reliability is an asset as the state works to produce enough renewable energy to meet growing demand. Although the Environmental Working Group says ratepayers could be on the hook for extending the plant's life to 2045, a study by Stanford and MIT found keeping the plant open until then could save customers $21 billion if it means PG&E avoids natural gas. Until the California Energy Commission releases its report at the end of September on the cost to keep the plant open, many of these figures are just speculation. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors, including watermelon and pineapple. In stores or delivered from HintWater.com. Stanford Medicine comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives, stanfordmedicine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.